thinking about legacy makes me think of our daughter. It's been, I don't even know, a year and a half or so since we lost her. And since then, I've been on a mission to carry on her legacy. I've realized a lot in that. Um, that legacy is a choice. You, you're going to leave a legacy either way. But the kind of legacy you leave is a choice. Um, and so with her, I feel like it was such a mission for me because I wanted to make sure her life counted and wasn't forgotten. So what that's looked like for me in the last year and a half or so, it's just complete dependency on the Holy Spirit or the Father. I know that might sound kind of super spiritual for some people, the Holy Spirit speaking to you and things, but he really does. And um, so the last year and a half or so, it's just been complete dependency on and having hope in the promises and uh, walking them out. And so legacy, leaving a good legacy looks like doing hard things, uncomfortable things, and letting new life be birthed in your death, in you laying down your care for what people think and things like that, and then new life is birthed. And so since losing her, I can't, if you've known me long enough, you've known that in the last year and a half, new life has been birthed in me um, in so many ways, new dreams and passions. I had no idea that I really could write or paint or speak or anything. Um, and it's all because I've been willing and I've made an effort, a diligent effort to, to make sure her legacy stays alive. And it will continue to, you know, with a children's book and everything and me sharing her story. People read her story on my blog and their, their hope is renewed for a life to the fullest even after great loss. So her legacy will carry on. But as I think about how much I've been working so much to get her legacy known, and her legacy to me means he trades beauty for ashes. And that's really what I want to carry on um, in life is that when all hope is gone, when your marriage is a, is a wreck, when you don't have a job, when you don't know what's next in your next season, it's it's hope clinging on to hope for him and his independency on him that's going to carry you through and he's going to turn this negative horrible sometimes horrible tragic situations into such beauty if you hold on but it's so much easier just to to go in hiding and give up in my darkest hour i think i think with her what i've realized the most is in losing her in the moments where we hadn't met her and the in and everything that happened just the fact that i had to just i had no strength and no ability on my own and i had to completely depend on the lord to carry me and we never know our need for christ until he's all we have and that's what we have to get to a point in our life um and i realize I've been trying to make her life count and in doing that I'm just making the Christ I'm just carrying on carrying on Christ's legacy really 
I think, I think I've seen it as carrying on her legacy, but in all reality, I'm carrying on the legacy of Jesus Christ and the death and life that he brings through that death. And it's kind of a play on two things. Through her death, new life came to me, but through Jesus' death, new life is available to everyone here. But it's a choice. If I didn't choose to write, if I didn't choose to do things that are uncomfortable for me, then there wouldn't be new life. And so today, if I could leave you with anything, it's that we have to choose legacy, a kingdom legacy. We have to choose life. He has life to the fullest for us if we can choose to hang on to hope. And hope isn't, I hope so, a wish. Hope is joyful expectancy that it's going to happen. And so another thing, um, I'm sure there's things I'm forgetting, but he didn't allow me to have my phone or notes, so here we are. It's a practice run for me. Um, then the other thing I felt pressed to tell you is the other day we were, I was driving, and it seems like every time I'm driving and Cadence is in the back seat, there's like some profound thing that happens because she like, I don't know if she goes into, she's a lot like me, she goes into like introspection or something and she's looking out the window and she says to me, um, they really hurt Jesus. And I said, yeah. She said, she said, it's so sad what they did to him. She's five. And uh, I said, it was horrible. She said, yeah, they put big nails in his head. And then they ripped his back. And then, did you know, she said, that they put giant thorns in his head. I said, yeah, maybe I know. She said, it's so sad. And man, it's like the Holy Spirit fell in the car. It was like the death, the reality of his death. And I know this is just really deep and intense for you. But today would be the day for that because it is, it is Easter. Um, and we owe the honor to him to take a moment and get outside our Sunday best and think about the death of his sacrifice for us. And I said... Cadence, you know what he's thinking about the whole time when they were hurting him so bad? She said, what? How much he loves you? He was thinking about how much he loved you. He was thinking about how much he loved your brother and your grandma and everyone. And she said, yeah, my teacher says he even loves the people that do bad things. I said, your teacher's really smart. Because he does. Even the people that are really, really mean and do really horrible things, he was thinking about them too on the cross. And it was really painful for him. But you know why he did it? She said, why? Why did he have to do that? It's so sad. And I said, because he was thinking about you. And because now that he did that, it's like you have superpowers. And you can rely on his power. I said, he did that so we could have a hope to get through life when it's so hard. I said, whenever you're going to have really bad things happen and hard things, I'm just real with her. 
you're going to have hard things happen in your life. And because you have a hope in Jesus and because his grace empowers you to do hard things. And when you depend on him, you will have the best, fullest, and most amazing life ever possible. She's like, oh, okay. <laughs> so it might have been too deep for her, but that's part of leaving a legacy. It's just saying the hard things and taking the moment whenever there's opportunity. I'm half distracted half the time. We all are. I was randomly thinking about what else I was going to do and say, and I could have easily just wrote off that, that, that she wanted to talk about how Jesus was hurt. And I could have not taken that opportunity to speak into her life. And who knows what part of it she'll remember, but she'll remember something. And she's remembering her teacher. And so another thing is, if you don't have kids, I know we're talking a lot about generations and children, but the teachers back there are leaving a legacy. Yeah. Every single person that speaks truth into anyone's life and brings life, you are leaving a lasting kingdom legacy. So that's all I have. I love a good service when I laugh and cry and laugh and cry and laugh and cry. And uh, the Lord is so good and he's so faithful. He's so good. And he's been so good to us. And he's been so good to my wife. And I'm just wrecked watching you, watching what the Lord's doing in her life. It's just really awesome. Ah, man. So I'm just going to go off the cuff, too. If you guys uh, can pull up Philippians 3.10 in just a minute. It's something I, I talked about this morning. But before I tell you that, I want to say that I want to tell you guys a little story in the context of legacy. And I'll say it first this way. We have to, we have to make loving and knowing Jesus normal in our home. We have to show our kids the awesomeness. Let's hold off on that scripture for right now, please. We have to make the awesomeness of who the Lord is in our home normal. Not compartmentalizing God, but actually bringing him into our everyday life and showing our kids the wonder and the extravagance of who he is. So before our kids go to bed, like there's that last moment before they close their eyes and I always try to make it a habit to put my hand on their head and pull them close to my mouth and I whisper in their ear the Father's blessing and how much the Lord loves them and that I bless them and I speak life to them and I prophetically declare that they will fulfill every purpose that God has for them and they're just about to doze off and they're hearing me just as they fall asleep and then I declare supernatural dreams over them. I often tell them before they go to sleep, I say, now, let's pray and let's ask the Lord to give you great dreams. Uh, for those of you that don't know if you're visiting, I fully believe that God speaks to us th through dreams. A third of the Bible came through dreams and visions, and you'll spend a third of your life sleeping. So God does want to speak to you in the night. And through, it's like a little mini movie or a video in your head where God can give you word pictures and speak to you about hope and purpose and your life and your circumstances and all kinds of things. And so in the mornings, I asked the kids, did you dream anything? Did you remember your dream? And we did a big teaching on dreams over the holidays. And 
my daughter woke up one morning and had a dream about the Lord helping her to climb the monkey bars. I mean, it was just the, this, the, the most childlike thing. And she's conquered those mon- monkey bars. But, you know, it's in that thing that she's learning to trust the Lord and hear the voice of God. And so not long ago, some topic came up about angels and demons and monsters because they're, you know, they're thinking about those things now. And so I started explaining to them about the power of the Lord and the power of the Holy Spirit and the power over the enemy through Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection. And I just do it normal. I mean, everything I try to do makes the knowledge of the Lord so beautiful and so normal. I just want it to be simple for them. You know, on the way to school, many times we crank up worship music and I just lift my hands up to the Lord. and I'm just loud and I'm wild and I'm extravagant and one minute I'm beatboxing and the next minute I'm praying in tongues and they're just like, it's so wild. I'm, I mean, I want to be wilder than my kids, you know? And I look back and both of them have their hands up worshiping the Lord. And I just weep and I just cry in the mornings. And so the other night, Cadence started talking with me about some things. Again, she was asking questions and um, she wanted to know about the power of God in what Amber was talking about. And she asked me, how can she know that power? How can she know him? I said, well, you've got to get born again. I mean, you've got to give your life to Jesus. You've got to surrender every area of your life. You have to make him the Lord over your life. And, you know, you got to say yes to him and ask him into your heart. And you'll understand that one day when you get a little bit older and you really know you want to make that decision for yourself because I want you to make it not just because I'm telling you to or think you should and I'm not pushing you to do it. I want you to do it because you want to do it. And she's like, well, how? How do you do that? I said, well, you have to pray and you ask him into your heart. And she's like, well, can we pray now? I said, well, maybe. I said, I want to know that you really know. I said, we, you know, maybe when we get a little bit older, it's something that we can do when you really know you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life. She said, okay. So that night before bed, and you guys know if you have little ones right before bed, they're just wild and in chatterbox mode. And Cadence looks at me and she says, Daddy, I want to ask Jesus into my heart. I said, I said, I know you do. I mean, she was still thinking about it hours later. I said, I know you do, but I want you to really know that you know it's what you want to do for the rest of your life. She's five. She's five. And she said, but I want to do it now. And I said, I know you do, but I just want to wait a little bit longer. I was almost trying to talk my daughter out of giving her life to the Lord at five, right? Because she's five, and she just kept pressing, and I realized it was the Lord. I realized it was the Lord, that if that's what she wants to do, and she's like, why can't I do it? And I couldn't give any really good answer. And so she got up close to me, and she said, Daddy, please, I want to pray right now. She was like pushing and pressing to give her life to the Lord at five. And so... I want your children to want to know the Lord. I want your children to self-realize how much he loves them. And for some of us, we've made a lot of mistakes. For some of us, we're long past the five-year-old, seven-year-old, and 10-year-old stage. But what I want you to know is that it's never too late. And even if you burn down relationships and marriage, and even if you've done it wrong with your kids and 
Maybe you pushed your kids away or maybe you wish you could go back and show them what you didn't know then, but you know now. What I want you to know is that it's never too late. It's never too late to leave a legacy. And one of the challenges is that when we're going through a difficult time at home or in our marriage or even with our kids, our eyes are solely focused on them and either trying to fix them. And what the Lord has promised us in Scripture is that if we'll allow ourselves to be resurrected, if we'll allow ourselves to know him, if we'll allow ourselves to walk with him through every difficult situation and overcome like my wife was talking about and like we have overcome, God will do what he said he would do. And the only person that you can fix is yourself. I can't fix Amber. I can't fix my kids. But what I can do is love so well that it overcomes every tragedy, every failure, every lie, every deception. And there's a way to do it that's better than what most of us have experienced in our past. There's a better way. And we've talked about that so much here. We've talked about the better way. And so we want to leave a legacy for the generations to come. You know, in the word generation is the word generate. And it basically means to engender. It means to reproduce. It means to to procreate and raise up sons and daughters. Hence, the generations coming up behind us. And the Bible says that the Lord is faithful to a thousand generations. He's faithful. And he's faithful for our children. And he's faithful for your children's children. And the best thing that we can do is accurately reflect the Lord in the wonder and the beauty and the greatness and the awesomeness of who he is. Make God extravagant in your home. Make him extravagant in your heart. Don't allow shame. Don't allow fear. Don't allow the failures of your past to hold you back from what God wants to do in your future. Take it from a guy that has bombed it a thousand times. Take it from a guy that has made so many mistakes and been through so much hardship. The Lord cares for you. And his grace and his mercy are available for you because he lives. Because Jesus rose from the dead, you have access, like Marlene was talking about earlier, to the throne to obtain grace, mercy, and help in the time of need. And a lot of us here this morning need help. A lot of us need help. So no matter where you're at, if you're struggling with addiction, if you're struggling with drugs and alcohol, if you're struggling with strife in the home, if you're struggling with feeling like God's mad at you, if you're struggling and feeling like God's far from you, what I want you to know is God loves you and he's coming after you. And those things don't deter him. They don't deter him. I know it because I feel it for you. He loves you dearly and deeply. So I'm gonna leave you with a few scriptures and we're gonna pray for you this morning. The first scripture that I want to bring up is the scripture in Philippians. Paul's talking about all of his great accomplishments prior to this, how he was a great scholar. He was super religious. He was righteous, self-righteous in every way. He, he was obedient to God's law in every way. But he didn't really know and understand who he was until he met Jesus. And when he met Jesus, I'm paraphrasing it for you, when he met Jesus, he considered everything that he had done and accomplished loss for the gain of knowing him more. And so he goes on to say that what he desired more than anything was to know the Lord and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings 
and to be conformed to his death so that verse 11 can happen, so that he could attain the resurrection from the dead. And this isn't just when Jesus comes back. Jesus wants to resurrect you now. He wants to resurrect you now. You're looking at a resurrected man. You just saw a resurrected woman. And it was through the fellowship of his sufferings and coming to the cross. It was through trusting him in the midst of every difficult situation. It was through laying our lives down like Jesus did that you get to see the newness of life. And so I want to challenge you with that this morning. The other thing I want to share with you is something very unique that Abraham did. Abraham is the original founding father of Judaism and ultimately all of our founding father. And through Jesus Christ, we become the seed of Abraham. It's the seed of promise. It's the seed of covenant. It's the seed of hope. And so we were talking yesterday. It's funny because I was just studying why God picked, why God chose Abraham. And then Amber says to me last night, why do you think God chose Abraham? I said, okay, I'm going to talk about that. First of all, when God originally called and chose Abraham, he was a, a Chaldean and he was raised in a pagan home. They were, his family were idol worshipers. And we don't get any really good, great initial reason of why God picked him. What we do know is that Abraham said yes over and over and over again. And ultimately, it was through his obedience and through his trust and through his yes and through his love for the Lord that he was considered a friend of God. Because he was obedient and because he was righteous and because he had faith, God called him a friend. And God continued to bless him and speak a covenant promise over him that all of us can grab onto today. And I love this little scripture in Genesis 18, 17. This is when the Lord and the angels were going down to Sodom to wipe Sodom out because it was extremely, extremely perverted and wicked. It was, it was a really bad situation. And I don't have time to tell you about that except to say that there was this outcry from Sodom that was coming up to heaven. And the Lord came down and he's like, I'm gonna go see for myself. You see this intimate interaction with the Lord coming down and talking with Abraham. And as he was about to go, he made this decision to tell Abraham what he was doing because Abraham was his friend and Abraham would have a covenant promise on his life. And what I want you all to know is that same promise is for you. The same promise is for you. So it says in Genesis 18, 17, that the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm doing? Since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth will be blessed in him. Verse 19, for I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him, that they keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice, that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. I love this little bank of scriptures. The Lord made a promise to Abraham, and Abraham, in his obedience to the Lord, to command his household and his children and the generations to be obedient to God as well, to reflect and to show the faithfulness of the Lord to his children, God said, I'm going to fulfill my promise to him. 
And what I want to challenge all of you to do is to come to the place where you can also walk in righteousness and justice with the Lord, where you really surrender every area of your life to him. And in turn, you provide the outlet and the opportunity for God to do what he wants to do in your spouse and in your children. You can do it. And I believe in you. And this is something that was inside of the heart of Abraham that I want inside of me and I want in the hearts of the mothers and the fathers here in this church. He was a friend of God and he would keep the way of the Lord. And in turn, God would fulfill his promise to him because of who Abraham was and what he would do. So we want to be like Abraham in every way. There's a few more scriptures I want to share with you. One is Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 4. It says, therefore, know that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. Let's love the Lord with all of our heart. And let's let go of the failures and the shames and the mistakes. Let's trust the Lord to come into our lives and help us to overcome every hurt and pain all the difficulties, all the struggles, all the lies, all the self-preservation. And let's make the choice today on Resurrection Sunday 2018 to live a resurrected new life. Listen, this isn't just good words. This is what we have chosen to do. And it's not weird religious, but rather it's full of life and full of joy, full of passion, full of wonder, full of excitement. And it's God bringing together a family of mamas and papas and sons and daughters that will love really, really, really well. Everyone's reproducing something every day. The question is, what are we reproducing? We either give life or we take life, and there's no neutrality on earth. The choices we make today and how we live directly influence the future world around us, and it's even more pronounced when you have children looking up to you. And even if your children are gone, or even if you've raised them and they've moved on, I have a three and five-year-old, soon to be four, four and five-year-old, that I want to see your face. I want them to see you. I want them to look up to you. I want them to see works in progress and people that are desperate and dependent. Not a bunch of people that think they have it all figured out, but people that love really well. And I want a culture that's not hung up on titles and positions and money, but rather our mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters that can do life in this passionate, exciting way, in a life full of wonder and joy. That's what I want. That's what Amber wants. That's what I want for my kids, and that's what I want for your kids. Amen.